the Lord, it's good to see you. We're glad that you're here and uh, have braved the cold. Uh, some of you like the cold that's out there. How many of y'all are ready for summertime to get back? You've had your fill of two days worth of winter, and so now we're ready for summertime. Well, just hang up, just yeah, listen. One of the things you say in Louisiana, if you want to, if you don't like the weather today, just hang around for a couple of days, it'll change. And uh, won't be long, we'll be back up in the 70s. And guess what? We'll be at this point come about July that we're like, it's too hot. How many of y'all will never say it's too hot? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm seeing all those hands. We'll remember. Okay, we will remember. All right, got a quick question for you. How many of y'all are familiar with something called cliff notes how many of you have never heard of cliff notes well, let me ask you a question how many of you have ever used them because you didn't want to spend the time to study to prepare for something that you needed to let me tell you something cliff notes were my best friend they just were now if you understand cliff notes and a little bit about cliff notes and the purpose behind them matter of fact Clifton Hillegrass was actually the one who was the founder of Cliff Notes and just for your information Cliff Notes did not begin in the US uh, they actually started in Canada and uh, there was a fellow by the name of Jack Cole and he had a book entitled people or the book people and Cole's business produced study guides and they were often called Cole's insights or Cole's notes and they were published in Canada. But him becoming familiar with Cliff, uh, Cliff found out about them, and so they worked out an agreement between the two of them and thought, boy, that'd be great for American students to have access to notes such as these. So they began in the United States. And let me share with you what they began with. Cliff notes were only available starting in August of 1958 with 16 Shakespeare study guides. But now you can get cliff notes from math, science, English, history, you name it. I use them. And what was the purpose of cliff notes? Shortcut. <laughs> I've heard a lot of people talk about that. And matter of fact, they said no. Cliff notes were always used to give you a more in-depth study into the material that you were looking at wrong let me tell you why I use cliff notes number one I didn't want to read the book number two I didn't want to go through all the material number three and let me tell you what the number one use of cliff notes today and I'm this is all on live stream too so I may get shut off here number one use of cliff notes was this cram sessions huh or to test out cram sessions to use cliff notes to get whatever you needed to do well you know sometimes I think we look at Christian our Christian life that way we kind of want all of it now we don't want to go through the process of having to spend the time to walk through to prepare to study to spend the time that is necessary in our relationship with the Lord we just kind of all want it right now well, let me share something with you. It doesn't happen that way. 
And matter of fact, what we often do is try to circumvent the discipleship process or that growing with the Lord, and we want to cram it all in. And basically, here's what we do. We get to the point where it's just like, just tell me what I need to know. Sounds like cliff notes, doesn't it? Just give me something short and sweet that spells it all out. Just tell me what I need to know, and then we'll go from there. Well, with God, it doesn't work that way. Following Jesus Christ, it doesn't work that way. To be a disciple of Jesus Christ takes a whole lot more than that. Last week, we talked about what a disciple was. Well, what is entailed in being a disciple of Jesus Christ? To actually follow him in our lives and to be what we need to be. Let me say this to you this morning. Being a disciple of Christ involves a whole lot more than just believing in Jesus. There's more to it than that. There are a lot who believe in Jesus. But what is this peace that's more peace that's associated with being a disciple of Jesus Christ? Well, it's called a devotion to him. It's called a devotion to him. Are we devoted to him? Is he in our lives to the place that he gets our devotion? Are we devoted to him in our lives? And I honestly believe the lack of emphasis on discipleship and spiritual growth in our lives and growing has led to a weakening of the church spiritually today. Because the question is, is how spiritual are we? The place of spirituality and maturity in the church today is where are we? Where do we fit on that spectrum? Where do we find ourselves in our own devotion to Jesus Christ? Are you ready for this? Now, I noticed, y'all, while Brother Raymond was singing, and when we were singing, you know, blessed be the name, and, and, and we were singing, and, boy, we were just having a, we were having a great time and thinking about all that. And then when Brother Raymond sang, you know, everybody's clapping and, you know, just yoo-hooing, okay? Well, let me share something with you this morning. As a disciple of Christ, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. We, we talked about this this past week, some of the staff, and I, we, we, we had a discussion about this subject. As a disciple of Christ, it is our obligation and privilege. Now, I want you to hear me. It's our obligation and privilege to grow into spiritual maturity. It's our obligation and privilege to grow into spiritual maturity. It's our privilege to worship him. It's our privilege to gather together to worship him. It's our privilege to, to one day to begin or to be able to spend all of eternity. It's a privilege. And when we consider that it's a privilege, it's an obligation and a privilege to grow in our lives spiritually. Because when, when, when God saved us, he didn't save us to remain where we were. He saved us for us to grow. And for us in our life as a Christian, as a believer, to reach a place of maturity. And as a disciple, you ready for this? There are no shut that listen, there are no shortcuts to spiritual growth. So you can't go out and buy a set of cliff notes. I looked. And unfortunately, there's not any. It comes from Devotion. It comes from following Jesus Christ. It comes from studying the Word of God. It comes from spending time with Him on a daily basis. And oh, by the way, uh, let me share with you what that means. It means devotion to. 
It means a devotion to the one that we are following. And here comes the next aspect of it. As a disciple, this is the first thing I want to talk about this morning. As a disciple, obedience is a key ingredient to that. Obedience is a key ingredient to that. And you say, why is that? Well, take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter number 6. A familiar passage of Scripture, other gospel writers have written about this same subject. But in Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 46, it's an interesting question. As a matter of fact, Jesus is the one who asked the question here. And I want you to notice the question that Jesus asks. Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 46, notice what Jesus asked. He said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? But then look at verse 47. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. And then he's going to give two illustrations. Beginning in verse 48, he's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when the flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. Verse 49, but the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation and the torrent burst against it and immediately it collapsed. But I want you to notice what he says at the end of verse 49. And this is a commentary that I think that we often miss by Jesus himself and notice what he says. And the ruin of that house was what? It was great. But if you go back to verse 48, here's one of the key ingredients. Because here's what happened. The, the, the wise builder built his house on a foundation, and he dug very deep. And matter of fact, that particular day, you had to dig down deep to get to that, that rock base, that rock footing that was there that was necessary for a foundation. Because when the rains would come in that day, flash floods would occur, you wanted to make sure that that house was going to remain. One of the worst things you could do is build a house in this region without that foundation underneath it and just build it on the ground because when a flash flood were to come, heavy rains were to come, let me tell you what it'd do. It would just wash it away. It was gone. And so Jesus asked the question, he said, So why do you call me Lord, Lord, and yet you don't do what I say? It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't match up. It doesn't line up. We can say that we believe in Jesus all day long. But my question to you is, where is our devotion to him? And I'm not talking about, now hold, okay, just before you go here, I want you to understand what I'm talking about here. I'm not talking about, do I check off, well, I was in church on Sunday morning, I was in Sunday school, I was in church on Sunday night, I was in church on Wednesday night, and, you know, I did this and I did this. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about following him on a daily basis. It's a part of our life and who we are. Jesus Christ, we as a disciple of Jesus Christ, he has priority, he has devotion of our lives. So whether it's at church whether it's at home, whether it's at work, whether it's in the marketplace, it makes no difference here. 
because to be a disciple of Christ there is an obedience aspect now the foundation that he's talking about in verse 48 and verse 49 corresponds to what a person does with Jesus's claims and his teachings now what do we do with them hey it's one thing to read your bible okay it's one time it's one thing to spend time studying the word of God but my dear friend, if all you're doing is reading it, okay, so that I can say that I read my Bible through in a year, or you're reading it simply for knowledge's sake, that is, not, that is not the goal. The goal is we read and study the Word of God to do something, to change us in who we are. And matter of fact, we grow in the wisdom and the stature and the nurture of God. That's what we should be doing is a disciple of Jesus Christ so the question today are we a disciple of Christ or are we simply or merely believe in Jesus and who he is does he change our lives does he transform our lives and who we are you know the warning is against merely hearing Jesus's words when you look at verse 47 Jesus said everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them let me say something to you this morning there is no neutral ground here one of two things you're going to do you're either going to act on them in a positive way or you're going to act on them in a negative way either you're going to take the words that you hear you're going to take the words of the word of God and act on them from a positive perspective in other words to place Jesus Christ where he should be in your life so that it becomes a priority in your life and who you are and what you do or so it'll be a negative one and so basically he gives us the illustration in verse 47 and verse 48 verse 48 is the positive verse 49 is the negative how in the world do you live through life without him in the world that we live in today the culture that we find ourselves in today where is our hope at because I'm going to tell you something, if you're placing your hope in this world that we find ourselves in today, or you're placing your help in the government that we have today, you're without hope. There is no hope. Hope is only found in Jesus Christ and in him alone. Number two, if we're truly devoted to Jesus Christ, if we're truly devoted to follow Christ, there should be evidence in the way that we live our lives every day. Take your Bibles and turn with me to James chapter number 2. James chapter number 2. There should be evidence of it in the way that we live our life every day. James spent a great portion of his letter talking about this subject. And it's, it's so critical in our devotion to Jesus Christ and who he is. How many of y'all remember the definition from last Sunday morning of what a disciple is? If you don't, I'll give it to you again. Here it is. A disciple is the one who follows a master in order to become like him. A disciple is the one who follows a master in order to become like him. So here's one of the things that you need to do. And I hope that on the handout that you have, I don't have one up here, okay? But on the handout, there's a place on the back for sermon notes. I trust that you'll write this definition down, okay? Here's what a disciple is, to make sure that we fully understood. A disciple is one who follows a master in order to become like him. Well, how do we know who he is? How do we know what he's like? 
Well, I will tell you how. By spending time with him through his word in every single day. Well, notice what James says about that. James chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. He said, What use is it, my brethren, if someone says that he has faith, but he has no works? In other words, there's no evidence of it. I mean, you can say that you believe in Jesus, but is, but is there any evidence of it in our lives? And then notice what James goes on to say, but he has no works. Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, basically notice what James says, what use is it? I mean, what, what good is it to do that? And then look at verse 17. Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead. Notice, though, the context. Here's what he said, being of itself. Verse 18. But someone may well say, You have faith, and I have works. Show you... Or show me your faith without the works, and I will show you my faith by my works. In other words, by my devotion to Jesus Christ. By my faith and trust that I've placed in him. Let me tell you what James is saying. It is evident in your walk. It is evident in your life. That we belong to Jesus Christ should be evident in our life and who we are. No wonder the world is struggling out there today to try to, to figure out. I mean, have we come to the place that we've become to where we look so much like the world today that the world has a difficult time telling the difference? I mean, Vance Havner, an itinerant evangelist, wrote that in a book and he made that statement he said you know he, was, he said i'm afraid the church is becoming so much like the world today that it's hard to tell the difference between the two of them what a sad commentary to to who we are my dear friend if we're disciple of jesus christ if we've been born again by the precious blood of jesus christ listen to me we have an obligation and it is a privilege to praise him to worship him and to follow him and to be his disciple and one day to be able to go spend all of eternity with him in the old testament one of the things that god said about israel he said, the problem is, is you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. What James is talking about here is lip service. You know, it's easy to say we believe in Jesus. It's easy to say that we have faith. But is it, but is it seen in our lives and who we are when we walk, when we live out our lives? Well, James goes on. Look what he says in verse 19. He said, you believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. I mean, the demons know who he is. 
You say, well, how do you know that? Well, Jesus, when he cast them out, matter of fact, they looked at him and called him by name. They knew who he was. Satan knows who he is. The demons know who he is. So James says, you believe in God. Hey, the demons believe and, and tremble or shudder because they know who he is. My dear friend, listen to me. It is more than just a belief in someone and who they are. It's taking our faith and trust and placing it in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary and being devoted as a disciple of him and following him with our life. That's the difference. Verse 20, he said, But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works. In other words, if you read what Paul said in Romans chapter number 4, what was it that brought salvation to Abraham? Was it simply that he offered up Isaac on the altar? No. It was by faith that brought the evidence of it by offering Isaac, his son, on the altar to a holy God. That's what Paul is, and that's what James is writing here. It's still by faith. It's by faith in Christ alone. That's what brings salvation. And then he goes on to verse 22. You see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. In other words, it was completed. It was, it was mature. It was seen in the evidence of what Abraham did with Isaac, his son. His faith became evident. My dear friend, listen to me. As a disciple of Jesus Christ today, our faith needs to become evident in who we are and what we do. That's this thing of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's living out our faith. It's living out that we are a follower of Jesus Christ and not being ashamed of it. Let me ask you a question. Are you ashamed of being a disciple of Christ? I hope you're not. I'm thankful that he wasn't ashamed of me when he died on the cross. Do we love him? Are we devoted to him? When you consider the magnitude of what he did for us, my dear friend, while we were yet a sinner, the father sent his son to take our place because you and I can never, ever, 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 ever measure up to a holy God it took Jesus Christ and then James goes on to say verse 23 and the scripture was fulfilled which says and Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness and he was called I want you to notice that you ought to underline this in your Bible he was called what the friend of God he was called the friend of God why because the evidence of his life was evidence of the faith that existed there it was the evidence of what took place in his life as an individual and his relationship with the holy God. When Abraham was called, he was called from the Ur of the Chaldees to live and go to a land. And matter of fact, I'm not telling you where you're going until you get there. But by faith, Abraham traveled. When you go read Hebrews chapter number 11, known as the, it's the faith hall of fame, if that's what you want to call it, but we see in there, Abraham is listed, and so is Sarah. 
And everywhere in Hebrews chapter 11 that Abraham and Sarah are spoken about, it was their faith. My dear friend, listen to me. The key to all of this is our faith. The object of our faith. Let me ask you a question today. What is the object of your faith? Is the object of your faith the world? Is the object of your faith God himself? The object of our faith should be God, not the world. Verse 24. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone in the same way was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way guess what there was faith the works was evident of the faith that existed with Rahab verse 26 for just as the body without the spirit is dead so also faith without works is what it's dead. But let me ask you a question. <laughs> Always brings you to another question. You know, when you go through and you read and you study and you, you spend time in the Word of God and you go through, guess what it always does? It always brings you to another question. Well, what would be the question that we would draw from all of this? Well, here it is. What was or what is? the motivating force of this obedience let me ask you a question what motivates you to follow Christ what motivates you to be obedient to what he's called us to do what is what is the motivation behind what we do whether times are good whether times are bad what motivates us to continue on well, I'm going to answer that for you. Glad you did. Turn with me to 1 John chapter number 2. 1 John chapter number 2. 1 John chapter 2. Beginning in verse number 1. <clears throat> you know, let me tell you something. One of the greatest... I believe one of the greatest books to read is a believer struggling with our life as a disciple of Christ. One of the greatest books you can read. You ready for this? I hate to tell you this. It's not written by man. It's given by God himself in the letter known as 1 John. 1 John gives us a series of tests. If you ever want to go through and examine your own life, just read, the, just read John's first letter. And read all of it. Notice what he says beginning in verse 1 of chapter 2 of 1 John. Notice what he writes. He said, my little children. He said, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm thankful today that he is there. Because if we're all honest with each other, we all sin. Matter of fact, here's what the Bible says. We're all sinners. Every one of us, including myself, believe it or not. We all commit sin. Every one of us. So any of us who thinks we're little angels, okay, walking around here, oh, be careful lest that halo break. Because we all sin. Every one of us. Look at verse 2. And he himself 
is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. Now notice verse 3. I always like statements like this. By this. Let me tell you what that means. It means something's coming up that we can know something. And guess what he says? By this, we know. In other words, that's an experiential no. It's, it's, it's the way that we can know for sure. So here's what he says. He said, and by this we know that we have come to know him. If we live however we want to live. Is that what it says? It's not. I must have a wrong. I must have, something must be wrong with my translation. I won't. <laughs> Miss Jean. Miss Jean asked me if I wanted hers. Bless your heart. <laughs> Here it comes. You ready? By this we know. That we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him. Uh, hold on. Let, let me just, I probably should have prefaced all of this with this. I didn't write this. So if you're sideways with it, you need to take it up with the author So I've come to know him, the one who says that. I've come to know him. I know him. And does not keep his commandments. Notice what the scripture says. He's a liar. And the truth is not in him. That's strong words. But look at verse 5. But. Whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected or completed. You ready for this? By this, we know that we're in him. We know that we're in him. And the one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same... Uh-oh. To walk in the same manner as who? As Christ walked. Well, I hate to tell you this. You can't go out and get a set of cliff notes that's going to outline for you the way that he walked. It comes the old-fashioned way of spending time in here. Spending time with him. Spending time studying the word of God. You see, it's an obedience that responds out of pure love for one's master. It's an obedience that responds out of pure love for one's master. Well, let me ask you a question today. Is he the Lord and master of your life? If he's not you're already starting out on the wrong foot. 
You have to come to the point and place in your life where you make him Lord and master of your life. That's why Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? So if our master is giving us instruction on the way that we ought to do and live, and we don't do it. Something's disconnected. I'll go back to the definition of a disciple. Here it is. A disciple is one who follows a master in order to become what? Like him. To become like him. I don't know about you. You ready for this? One day we're going to be like him. And I know some of y'all are probably sitting there, well, then I'll just wait till that day comes. Doesn't work that way. Let me ask you a question. Is there a desire to be more like him? There should be. Is there a desire to be like our master? Should be. There's more than just believing in Jesus and who he is. So let me give you this kind of in a summary this morning. Okay. As we openly acknowledge Jesus as Lord. Now I don't know about you, but I want to ask you a simple question. Is he Lord of your life? Is he Lord of your life? I trust that he is. I trust that that is the relationship that you have with him. That he is the Lord of your life. Why would it be any other way? You realize he died for you? Because he loves you so. Are you ready for this? Just in case you don't get it, okay? He desires the very best for you. Does that mean life is going to be a bed of roses no we were studying this in Sunday school in Ecclesiastes and here's what Solomon tries to get across to everybody you need to get your eyes off the temporary and get them on the eternal as a believer if you look at everything that's going on around you temporarily okay and temporary and earthly and worldly and all of those things I'll tell you something you're going to get pretty depressed where are your eyes should be on heavenly things it should be on eternal things because here's what I know is coming one day huh. I went to get up this morning somebody told me when you hit 65 you hit the golden years I can't believe this you know what I got the other day y'all ready for this in just a couple of weeks, I joined the new crowd. You want to know what it is? It's called the Medicare crowd. <laughs> I've waited all these years to get a Medicare card. Guess what I got from Social Security? You have been approved. I thought, hallelujah. <laughs> I went to get up this morning and 
Let me ask you a question. Any of y'all ever had one leg get in an argument with the other leg about who got out of bed first the other morning? Huh? Somebody told me when you hit 65, you sleep till 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning. Somebody said you don't sleep at all. (laughs) As we openly acknowledge Jesus as Lord, keeping our eyes on that that is eternal, not temporal. Understanding that one day, are you ready for this? You will be a joint heir with him. A joint heir with him. And you ready for this? Simply because he loves you so. How can we do anything any less than to be a devoted disciple of the one who loves us so? That's the big question to answer. So as we openly acknowledge Jesus as Lord and gladly submit to his authority, obedience is a foregone conclusion. Why? We can't help but do anything else but to be obedient to him. Amen? What motivates us as a disciple what moves us to that point in our lives to be what he desires of us. Amen. Let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. No one looking around in the auditorium this morning. I just want to ask you a simple question. First of all, do you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? That's the first question. See, none of that's going to matter. None of it is going to mean anything. Until, first of all, you acknowledge Jesus Christ and who he is. Is Jesus Christ who he claims that he is? Is Jesus Christ the Son of God who died, was buried, rose again three days later, ascended to the right hand of the Father, now sits as our high priest at the throne of God? So is our trust and faith in the finished work of Christ? Or are we trusting in what we merely can do on our own? And my dear friend, if you're trusting merely on what you can do on your own, you're going to come up short every time. Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Do you understand as a sinner, you can't can't save yourself. If you could, then Jesus Christ would not have had to have died. But you can't. Are you ready for this? Because God loves you so much, he made the way possible for you to spend all of eternity with him. Maybe you're here today as a believer, as a Christian. But following Jesus Christ has just not been at the top of the list. If we get around to it, then we might. If we have time for him, we might. We allowed ourselves to get so busy with everything else that we're neglecting the most important thing in our lives. But to be a disciple of Christ, our desire should be 
to be like him. And the only way we can be like him is to spend time with him. Father, we 